we did replace the music stand, and we want to present you with this and, um, and have a little prayer. <laughs> well, and as I just said, we are so thankful that you're back, and well, we just can't wait to hear more about what you've learned and what you have for us today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for, um, for your, your word says to, to have a merry heart and you've given us laughter and we thank you for those things. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about your word. And your word says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And it is our prayer as Harbin's, as we know it's Steve's prayer as our pastor, that whoever stands in this pulpit will, will bring your word in spirit and truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. That was not in the order of worship. <clears throat> well, <laughs> wow. I need a bigger Bible now. <laughs> <clears throat> I need to get one of those, you know, good independent Baptist Bibles, you know, that you hit people with. <clears throat> Instead of this little sleek ESV thing going on here. Um I'll, I'll talk to Peter a lot of times where I'll, after the service, I'll say, you know what? That wasn't planned. You know, it's, you know, something will happen in the service where it's just the Holy Spirit putting the pieces together. And, um, and I came up here this morning, and originally my plan was to talk about the sabbatical. And during the week, just felt that I needed not talk about me and the sabbatical, but I needed to talk about the ministry of the Word at Harbin's. And then you guys do this, and you talk about how the Word is central at our church, and it's just, it's just confirmation in many ways, and, um, and I'm very blessed. Well, <laughs> I thank you, but this morning... Um, I want us to focus on why we're here, and that is because our God is great, and he has given us a clear and pure word, and that clear and pure word points to his son, and that's what's most important. Um, in my notes here, I, I start off by saying I have mixed emotions this morning, and now I'm just all over the place. Um, I'm happy to be back in the pulpit, and the word pulpit is in my notes. I'm, I'm stunned to be actually in a pulpit and not a music stand. Um, but also, I very much enjoyed my time away. And I don't mean that negatively. It was good to be out of the pulpit for a little while. Um, you know, I, I set out a bunch of goals. I gave you guys a bunch of goals prior to the um, sabbatical. And, and my, my, I'm not going to go through those goals today and let you know how I met, how they were met or not met. Uh, for those of you who know that one of my goals was to lose some weight, you know how that went. You just look up here, all right? Um, so um, I, I'm not, not going to do that other than to say that the primary goal was rest. And, and that was accomplished. Rest for myself and for my family. Um, and uh, so... Um, it's no coincidence, though, that the moment it's time for me to preach again, that massive spiritual warfare entered my family and my life this week. Uh, some of you in here know some of the things that happened this week, and even up to this very morning, walking into these doors, 
the, the warfare was thick. And it's no coincidence that this is the week I'm preaching. There was no warfare last week. None. Last week was easy. And this week I come in just, just feeling a little beat down again because of spiritual warfare. And sabbatical doesn't take care of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a reality. We have to fight it with the word. And the reason Satan is fighting and his minions are fighting is because he hates the ministry of this book. He hates the ministry of the word. And so whoever's preaching, whether it be Peter or Tony or Todd or any of our guest preachers, I'm sure you felt the spiritual warfare in the days, the weeks leading up to the times that you preached. The sermon I'm preaching today is going to be a little bit different. As you can tell, we're running out of time. It is going to be a good bit shorter than usual because I knew I wanted my family to share about Honduras. Uh, but also, it's not the typical verse-by-verse expository sermon that you're used to here at Harvard. Instead, I want to share several passages of Scripture um, as I intertwine some of my thoughts after, after returning from the sabbatical, some of my thoughts. And then we'll zero in on one text, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. But before you turn there, I'm going to let you guys just, I don't have the Scriptures on the screen today, so I want you just to, to turn with me as I go to each one of the different passages we're going to be focusing on. Uh, But before we go any further, I do want to pray. So let's pray for the ministry of the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we've sung about it. We've spoken about it. We've read Scripture about it. But now it's happening that your Word is going to go forth, and it will not return void. So, Father, we pray that you'd help us um, always come at the ministry of the Word with the proper weight. It's it's not about um, people. It's not about music stands or anything else. It's about the Word. And so, Father, I pray that we'd be faithful to it today. I thank you so much for this church in so many different ways. I thank you for this amazing surprise this morning. Help us to focus our hearts and minds now on Jesus, on your Word, as we continue this morning. We pray in his name, in his name alone. Amen. It's football season. Every year at football season, I build up a lot of great expectations in my heart and my mind for my favorite teams. And knowing that my favorite teams are in the college ranks, Arkansas, and in the pro ranks, the Cowboys, you understand that I'm disappointed every year. The expectations are there. There's new signings for Arkansas, signing certain Uh, high school players that have signed, and then, of course, the Cowboys draft certain players, and there's changes and free agents that are signed and different things, and you have these great expectations, and then the season begins, and all the expectations go out the window pretty quick with both of those two teams. I kind of feel a little bit of pressure, to be honest with you, uh, because I went off on sabbatical, and I hear people say things like, you know, you were preaching pretty good before you left. I can't wait to hear what it's like when you get back, you know. Um, uh, or, um, you know, I can't wait to hear what God showed you while you were gone. And I kind of feel like, wow, there's these great expectations. And I don't want to be the Cowboys. I don't want to come from the off season and just blow it. And you guys go, wow, that was horrible. I mean, my goodness. Give him a couple months off and he doesn't know how to preach anymore. No, I, there's a certain amount of weight there. Uh, of the expectations. But I'll tell you this, and, and I'll conclude the message with this in a little bit. Uh, the great thing that the Lord has shown me over the sabbatical 
is that we need to stay the course. Continue to preach the word. You don't need a new revelation from me. I don't have anything to speak. You need me to keep doing this. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. By God's grace, Lord willing. The sabbatical was great for myself and my family. I could talk a lot about different things the Lord did do in my heart and my mind personally. Personally growing me in some ways. Um, uh, dealing with some sin and some sinful dispositions in my heart. Um, helping me deal with some of my leadership deficiencies. And most of all, like I said, giving me rest. I could tell you about what God did in my family during the sabbatical. You've heard some of it here this morning. But we laughed together. We played together. We prayed together. We spent time together. We built a treehouse together. Um, we ministered together. And we rested together. And, um, and Heather will tell you, if you haven't already heard, you know, that it took that first month of me decompressing from ministry mode before my family really wanted to even be around me. And that second month was just a treasure. We just really enjoyed that second month of the sabbatical. Um, But it reminded me of my priority of ministry to my family. And I'm not just making that up. I'm not just some, you know, family integrated guy that that turns the family into an idol. The, The scriptures say that Paul said that a man, if he cannot manage his household, he cannot manage the house of God. And so my family has to be my first priority. And the Lord reminded me of that. I already knew it. Uh, this summer and wants me to make some changes in my life to continue to minister to my family. And, and, and of all the young men that I, I really feel burdened for in this church, they need to be discipled. There's none I feel heavier for than my own son. And so my primary job is to disciple him. Um, there's so much I can say in regards to how God used the sabbatical to give me some clarity regarding Harbin's. I want us to be involved in, in missions more intentionally, uh, locally, regionally, nationally, internationally. Um, I, I want us to really, really, really pray about more people in this church being trained in biblical counseling so we can use that as a means to reach out to the community that we find ourselves in. I, I've got thoughts in my mind about men's and women's ministry. Mostly, though, the Lord has just put on my heart a, a, a new resolve that, that church ultimately is simple. It is simple. And we complicate it. And, and to keep things simple, for example... Do you want to know how men's ministry, you want to know where the manual is for men's ministry in the scriptures? It's in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And there's two steps. Pass on these truths to other men who will then pass them on to other men. And lift up holy hands in prayer together. Pray together, read the scripture together. That's men's ministry. That is simple. And we complicate things so much. I could talk about all those things this morning. But mostly this morning, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing my family this time away, and thank you for so, so, so much more. Thank you for this, which wasn't, this was a surprise. Um, but to do that this morning and thank you properly, I want to walk through Paul's thank you passages in his general epistles, the letters that he wrote to the church. You may not be aware, but in most of his epistles, Paul takes a moment near the beginning of each one of those letters to say a word of thanks. Only two of the Pauline general epistles do not have a word of thanksgiving in them. That's the Second Corinthians and Galatians. All the rest have a word of thanksgiving for the churches. But Paul doesn't thank them directly. Paul thanks God for them. You go look at, we'll look at all these passages here in a second. You'll see that he says, I thank God for you. Or I thank God for your faith. And that's what I want to do in this sermon this morning. Thank God for you. I want to do it by walking through these thanksgiving passages. As I visited a variety of other churches this summer, 
I was overwhelmed with gratitude for God, to God for you. I, I was overwhelmed with gratitude to God for what we have here. Overwhelmed with gratitude to God for what he's already done here and is doing here. I couldn't help it. It wasn't a single church I visited this summer that I'd rather go to than this one. And so I want to walk through these passages this morning. Um, I want to ask ourselves, what's happening in these churches that, that made Paul so thankful? And in studying these passages this week, I saw several things that I was thankful to God for regarding what he's doing in you. And in, Harbin, in this church, Harbin's. So we're going to go through them in order. I want to flip, flip your Bible open to Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Romans 1, verse 8. We're going to do this old style, not putting the scriptures on the screen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. And this is the Thanksgiving passage where Paul thanks God for the Roman church. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Keep your finger there. We're going to go right through the, through the epistles in order, okay? Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may, know, may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now I want to read that whole little section there because I want you to get your whole context. But the specific thing he's thanking God for here is he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. What was Paul thankful to God for regarding the church in Rome? A church he had never personally met, by the way. He was thankful for the witness of their reputation. He was thankful for the witness of their reputation. Their, their faith had been heard about in other parts of the known world. Harbins, I want to tell you this morning, I am thankful to our God for the reputation our church has. We are not a perfect church. We have more than our fair share of flaws. But when I mention our church to people, or when I hear or overhear people talking about our church, when I see Facebook or Twitter comments about our church, I can say without doubt, God has, by his grace, preserved our reputation. That's not the case for all churches. A reputation of being gospel-focused, word-centered, and family-enriching. Even those who have left our church for one reason or another have not left a wake of negative words or negative feelings towards our church. That is a gracious thing the Lord has given us. The people that have left our church have not left burning their bridges. That is a gracious thing. I'm so thankful to God for that. For what he's doing here and for how our church is known now, I must say also, I pray that we will become more known. Not that I hope that we'll draw attention to us, but I hope that we will be known as a church that points to Christ alone. We will be known as a church who makes effort to make him known in other parts of the community and the world. That's my prayer for our church. Please hear me this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up, not puff you up. There's a difference. I want to build you up, not puff you up. We have a lot of work to do. We are not reaching this community the way we should. We have a whole lot of work ahead of us. But God is at work in us. And if God preserves our reputation in the community, it's he gets all the glory. 
for the work that he's doing in us. I want to travel now to Corinth. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 and following. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Now, I want you to keep in mind that of all the churches Paul wrote to, there was none more messed up than the church in Corinth. And Paul starts his words to the Corinthian church with a word of thanksgiving. Verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now there is so much in that passage right there to think about. Especially when you know the whole context of the the, um, epistle to, to the Corinthians, the first Corinthians that we have. There is much in this text... And there's much in this passage to encourage us in perseverance. And remember, if you know, as I said a minute ago, you know this church, you know about this book, then you know they have a bad reputation. They don't have the reputation that the Roman church had. They have a bad reputation, what they're doing. But still, Paul is thankful to God for this church. But what is he thankful for? He is thankful for the grace of God that is at work in them despite all their flaws. He's thankful for the grace of God at work in them. He's specifically thankful for the way they're being enriched and how God is working in them through the spiritual gifts. Now, if you know the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that what they were abusing in the church was the spiritual gifts. Yet Paul is thankful that God has gifted the people in this church. It's amazing to think about that. You know what? I really do believe that if we would be thankful for our sister churches and others in the church before we ever begin to put on our discerning caps and start criticizing one another. Now, now let me back up a little. I'm not saying we shouldn't be discerning. I'm just saying that in a way that where you'd be overly critical of people. If we will thank God for what God is doing in them before we begin to criticize, I think we will do it with the right kind of flavor, the right kind of tone. So in this text, he's thankful they're not lacking in any gift in Harvest, I want to say that I am thankful, too, to God for the way he has gifted this body. I am thankful to him that though we are imperfect and we are sinful, and, and even though we don't have the magnitude of the sinful struggles that the Corinthian church did, at least I hope we don't, I'm very thankful for the way he's gifted this church and the giftedness that was on display this summer. Many of the gifts mentioned in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 were on display in this church this summer. Encouragers stopping by to edify and pray for Miss Mary. Givers supplying the needs of the people in this body and the people outside of this body. There were people at Harbin showing acts of mercy, service, leadership, and the gift of the prophetic preaching of God's infallible word was on display in this church this summer. And I thank God for that. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But let's keep on moving. Let's continue our journey. I said this would be a short sermon. So let's go to the Ephesian church. Actually, I want you to turn to Colossians. So jump over uh, uh, Ephesians there and go to Colossians. 
And I'm also going to include with the Colossians 2 Thessalonians, okay? Because these are similar things that Paul says to these two churches. And he essentially says the exact same thing to the Ephesians church. So I'm going to start with Colossians 1 verse 3. And then I'm going to read 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3. So just hang with me there as I read the Colossians portion and listen to the 2 Thessalonians portion. Here's what Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, he says something very similar. We ought, to, ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Harbins, I can sincerely say that I am thankful to God for the way I've seen your faith increase and your love for one another increase. I have seen you love on each other through personal challenges that some are facing. I've been made aware as I've been gone occasionally of some specific issues in people's lives. And the temptation was to put my pastor cap back on and jump back in. But it was great to sit back and watch you care for one another and love on one another and minister to one another. And I am thankful to God for that, for what he has done and is doing in this church. I've seen you love on each other through some challenges, through medical problems. I've seen you do this through discipling one another and encouraging one another through the word. I am so very thankful to God for the reports of your increased faith and your love have come my way. Perhaps none more than when I've heard of what God is doing in our men's prayer meetings. To hear how God's using those meetings to encourage one another, convict one another, it's just amazing to me. That's, again, that's men's ministry. Second Timothy, I mean, First Timothy 2, 8. I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. That's it right there. I give thanks to God for that. Let's travel now to Philippi. I know I took you to Colossians, so I took you a little bit out of order. General Electric Power Company. Yeah, Philippians is before Colossians. All right, so Philippi. Philippians 1, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now what Paul is thankful for here is that the Philippian church has partnered with him in the gospel, both in their active ministry of proclaiming the gospel, but also in their support, their financial, physical support of him as he did his ministry. For as we see later in this letter, that uh, they were concerned for him, and so they were meeting his needs. So it's out of that that Paul wrote the memory verse that we did today, Philippians 4.13, which was what, Anthony? There we go. Why could Paul say that? Because he saw God at work meeting his needs, and it wasn't just like money fell out of thin air. Is that God moved upon churches to provide for his needs. And I am so thankful to God, Harbins, for you, because you indeed are partners in the gospel. First of all, I love hearing how you, how you are, are, are ministering to people through your spheres of influence. How God is using you to spread the gospel. Whether it be on the streets of Athens or in your workplace or in your homes, even homeschooling your children. Or in, your, in schools ministering to other parents. Whatever your sphere of influence might be. Maybe at your workplace. God has given each one of you unique ministries and ministry opportunities. Whether it be evangelism, 
Whether it be teaching or whether it be witnessing to your co-workers or whether it be simply leveraging business opportunities for kingdom purposes, I am thankful to God for your partnership in the gospel and for your partnership in supporting my family. Not only does the church provide a salary for me to do this full-time, there have been numerous people in this congregation that have specifically met our needs in different ways, and for that I am thankful to God for you. Now there's an epistle we skipped. Well, actually, I don't th- no, we haven't skipped it yet, but I did mention 2 Thessalonians, but I haven't mentioned 1 Thessalonians. So that's where we're going to end up here this morning. Go to 1 Thessalonians. We'll begin in chapter 1, verse 2, and in a minute we'll jump over to chapter 2, verse 13. The epistle to, to, the, to the Thessalonian churches, Thessalonian church, the second, this, this first Thessalonians is the only one of Paul's epistles that has two Thanksgiving passages in it. So we're going to look at the first one and then we're going to go to the last one and that will conclude our sermon for today. Look at the first one here in verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So again here we see Paul thanking um, God for a church's faith and a church's love, but also here he, he thanks God for their steadfast hope in Christ and where their hope is grounded. It is grounded in the sovereign electing work of God. Paul has confidence in their election because of the fact that when the word of the gospel came, it bore fruit in power and in conviction of sin, which led to their repentance and ultimately to their hope in Christ. Harbins, I am thankful to God for the hope you have in Christ. I appreciate, it edifies me greatly to hear you welcome us back. But I have great confidence that if the Lord were to take me today, it makes no difference because your hope isn't in me. Your hope is in Christ. And I thank God for that and give God the glory for that. I am thankful for a church that believes in and embraces the very clear teaching in the Bible regarding God's sovereign, free grace. I am thankful that you are making your calling and election sure by evidencing it through fruit exhibited in our church and exhibited in your steadfast hope in Christ alone. And that hope, of course, is grounded in the Word of God. It is grounded in the infallible word that God gave us. So that brings me to the conclusion of the sermon. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. I'm going to give you three points. So this is, this is the meat of the sermon. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Three points from this verse. And I do have those, and I'll bring them up in a second, even though I don't have the clicker. Let's read the verse first. And we also thank God constantly for this. So here's, here's what Paul's thanking God for, Constantly. That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Paul is expressing his thanks to God for the ministry of the word in the Thessalonian church. Harbins above everything else, above all else, I am thankful to God for the ministry of the word in this church. Three things stand out from this text. So go ahead and bring them up there on the screen for me. 
Number one, I am thankful for the communication of the word. I am thankful for the authority of the word. And I am thankful for the effect of the word. First, the communication of the word. Paul says here, we thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. Friends, the word must be communicated. I am thankful that this is a church that wants to communicate the word of God. I am thankful the word of God is preached in this church. It is received because it is heard, because it is taught, and because it is preached. By God's grace, I have been able to preach the word. I am thankful to God for that. Friends, if there is anything that God has reinforced in my heart, in my mind this summer, it is my calling to preach the word of God. I am not an administrator. You already know that. I am not a comedian. I preach the word. It's the only thing I do good. It's what God has given me to do. My wife shared with you guys that she came alive. Why? Because God's gifted her with a heart for foreign missions and for medical ministry. And so she came alive. This is when I come alive. God has just reinforced that in my heart. My main job is to become a better preacher for you guys. To become a better preacher and to continue to preach the gospel. I'm only as good a preacher as I am in line with this book right here. Illustrations, stories, delivery, humor, charisma, those things mean nothing in the end. Don't judge the preaching at Harbin's on those things. Judge the preaching on Harbin's on whether or not it was in line with this and it was communicated clearly. That's how you judge the preaching that comes out of this now pulpit. (laughs) I listened to every sermon preached at Harbin's this summer, and I can say this sincerely. Of all the other churches I went to, there was not a single sermon that I thought was better preached than any of the ones that were preached here this summer. I am so thankful to God that the ministry of the word continued in my absence. I am so thankful to God for the men who stood in this pulpit. I'm thankful to God that the word was communicated clearly. Our guest preachers did an amazing job, but I'm mostly thankful for the men from this body. I'm thankful to God for Tony's clear and careful exegesis and application of the word to our lives. I'm thankful to God for for Todd's challenging and urgent yet gentle and pastoral exhortations to the body. And I'm thankful to God for Peter drawing us to the pinnacle of worship in his passionate appeal for us to meditate upon the worthiness of Christ. I am so thankful to God for each man and each sermon preached this summer. And I'm thankful to God for that. I'm thankful to you guys too, but ultimately I'm thankful to God. Secondly here, I'm, we're thank, I'm thankful for the authority of the word. This is a church that takes the authority of the word seriously. He, he says here, Paul says, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. I am so thankful to God that at Harbin's we believe the Bible. We believe what it claims to be, the infallible, inerrant, perfect, and holy word of God. There are so many churches that do not, do not believe that in our day and age, friends. There are so many churches that, that though they say they believe that, they do not demonstrate it in practice. I am so thankful to God that we do, even though we can get better at it. I'm thankful to God that you believe the scriptures are authoritative, that they are necessary for salvation, that they are clear in their teaching, that they are beautiful in their essence, and that they are sufficient for faith and practice. In this day and age, that's something to be thankful for. 
The sufficiency of Scripture is a lost doctrine in many churches. And friends, without a solid belief in the authority of God's Word, there could be no spiritual growth. If we treat this book as a buffet table to pick and choose from, kind of along the lines of one of Todd's sermons, to, to pick and choose from, you will not grow spiritually. If we, if we view this book as simply some passages that we can dismiss because they don't quite fit in with modern life, it's too antiquated, you will not grow spiritually. If you look at this book simply as a, as a, as a book of heroes to emulate or morals to try to implement, you will not grow spiritually. If this book is anything less than God's perfect and only standard for salvation and spiritual truth revealed infallibly and teaching us all that we need to know in order to believe, in order to be saved, in order to obey God, if you view it anything less than that, you will not grow spiritually. And I am thankful to God for a church that believes that. And that's the next thing here, the effect of the word. I'm going to read the whole verse again, and we're coming to a conclusion here. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. And here it is, which is at work in you believers. I am thankful to God that the word, his word is living and active. And I'm thankful that it's at work in Harbin's. I've said this many times before, and sometimes I'll go to maybe a conference or meet some other pastors at the association or whatever, and, and, and they'll ask the question, how's your church doing? And I always know that's kind of a loaded question. So I always just say, yeah, oh, great, great. Okay, former pastor, what's the next question out of their mouth after the, you say great? They say, how's the church going? Great. They say, what you running? What you running? They mean how many people you got, right? How many people are there? And I know that's the product of the church growth movement that came into our churches in the, in the mid-20th century and that now has such a stranglehold. And I know that's the product of, of just Americanism, that bigger is better. Um, but when people ask me, is your church growing? I always say Yes. And when they say, watch your running, I usually say, I don't know. Because usually I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Well, how do you know your church is growing? Because the word is living and active. And I see it at work in marriages, in children, in leaders in the church. I see it at work. Because that's how God grows his church. Church growth isn't about numbers. It's about each individual person growing in the gospel as the word is preached, having its effect in their hearts. I am so thankful to God that his word is at work in Harbin's. It is at work edifying us, equipping us, encouraging us, growing us, strengthening us, sanctifying us, making us more like Christ. So back to my initial illustration. Yeah, maybe there's great expectations coming back from the sabbatical, coming back from the off-season. Now you're back in the, in the regular season, Steve. What's going to happen? My hope is that we stay the course and we become more consistent in being people of the word. Stay the course. Keep preaching. Keep teaching. Keep it simple. Keep harbins in the word and see what God does. But be on your guard. 
Just like this week with lots of spiritual warfare, Satan hates churches that like the word, that preach the word. We have experienced a great season, really, for about two years now of tranquility in this church. We have to be on our guard because Satan hates. If we're going to, keep, we're going to stay the course, it doesn't please the enemy. So be on your guard in your own lives, in your own homes, in your own hearts. Be on your guard in this church. Let us be people of the word. Because the way we do battle with Satan, well, it's with the word. It's with the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for this group of people here. I thank you for them. Everything that... um, that you're doing in each different person represented in this room, each different family, is a work that you're accomplishing because of your word that goes forth and brings fruit, brings results. So, Father, my prayer for the believers here, the Christians in this room, is that they would stay the course. That if they truly believe that the word of God is what we have said it is this morning, or what we talked about earlier in the Bible study class, that they would treasure it, devour it, eat it up every day. And I pray that for myself. There's so many distractions. Help us, Father, to be, have a laser-like focus on your word. May it be central in all of our lives and all of our families. I was convicted of that this morning. Father, you know that. You, you convicted me on the way to church. That I need to encourage our family to stay. Stay the course. To not trust in our own strength, but in all ways to acknowledge you. And you will direct our paths. And how do you direct us, Father? With your word. So Lord, I thank you for your word. And for the, those in here who may not be believers this morning, I still pray for the word to go do its work because it's by the preaching of the word that new life springs up in dead hearts. So if there be anybody here this morning who've never put their faith and their hope in Christ like the Thessalonian church did, I pray, Father, that they would would turn to you, put their hope in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sin, that they would turn away from their sin and commit themselves to you. And, Father, if that happens, if that happens in any heart this morning, we give you all the glory because you did it through the work of your word. You did the work. You brought about eternal life through the word. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you. We ask now that you be with us as we close in one song and get ready to go eat some good food together, fellowship together. Lord, I pray that we'd edify one another with the word as we're down there. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.